talking about love. We're talking about the whole idea that that fulfills the very law of God, that we are to care for one another. Um, we need to learn something, though, immediately. I, I think most of you know this, but let me just share this with you because it's really important. It comes right out of Scripture itself. Love is critical to our Lord. You understand that, I know. But something else, and that is that obedience goes hand in hand with love. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus Christ himself says this, these penetrating yet powerful words. He says, if you love me, he says, you will do something. You will what? You will keep my commandments. If you love me, he says, you're going to keep my word. Obedience goes hand in hand with love. The Lord demands something out of your life and my life, and that is faith. He demands faith for receiving spiritual life. Then He demands, once you come to Christ, once you and I accept Him as our Lord and Savior, He then demands something else out of us, and that is obedience for living the spiritual life. And and connected to obedience is our love for one another. So they they all fit hand in hand. Paul has been speaking about paying taxes, verses 6 and 7. He says in verse 7, I want you to render to all that is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor is due. Well, now in verse 8, Paul tells us what else is due. We are to owe nothing to anyone except one thing, and that is to love them. The person who loves their neighbor, the Bible tells us, fulfills the law. You know, let's just go off on a little bit of a rabbit trail on this fulfilling the law as far as not owing anyone anything except to love them. Sometimes, verse 8 has been interpreted incorrectly, I might say, That a Christian is never justified in going into debt of any kind. Have you ever heard that? I did when I first became a believer. I heard that you should not go into debt in in any way, shape, or form. And I asked the question that I think any of us would ask, how do I buy my home? How How do I live in a home? And I studied Scripture, and as far as borrowing and lending... Neither of them are forbidden in the New or the Old Testament. Let me give you a couple examples. In the Mosaic Law, it is required, Exodus chapter 22, verse 25, says, If you lend money to my people, the Lord God is speaking, to the poor among you, if you lend them money, here's the reaction that we should have. You are not to act as a creditor to them. You shall not charge them interest. Interesting. So lending and borrowing is not forbidden in the Word of God. The Lord has rules in collecting and paying. Watch. In Psalms 37, verse 21, it says this, The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. A few years back, quite a few years now, A friend of mine was in need. He asked for some money. 
I went to Kay and I said, I'd like to give him some money. He's really a decent, wonderful friend. Known him for a long, long time. She said, great, let's give him some money. She says, but let's not ask for him to return it. <laughs> she, I said, oh, no, 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 no. <clears throat> I said, let's, uh, do, let's do give him some money, but let's expect it in return. She said, I think it would be smarter if we didn't expect it in return. We ought to give him the money and expect nothing in return. I said, okay, okay. I didn't tell him that, but I gave him the money. We've never gotten any penny back. We've never got a penny back. Kay was just preparing me for the inevitable. My wife has always been much, much wiser than me than money. That's why here at the church, I don't care for our finances. Kendall does. Rob does. David does. I do not. I'm not the one that you would want in charge of our finances. But by the way, this is really a rabbit trail. I won't forget where I am. But I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Our, Our church has done so well financially. You guys have been so faithful to give. Our Saturday night group gives faithfully. Both services here give faithfully. Um, we're, we're handling our finances well. In fact, about a month ago, Kendall, who is kind of over when we purchased this building, says, it is my dream that sooner than later we will own this thing outright. I, I want that for you. I want to leave that for us as a church, that we don't have to worry about where we gather and do we have the finances to care for our, our, our home away from home. And so we've done well, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. You people are very gracious. And um, that's all I'm going to say about money. Um, I won't preach on money and I won't preach on giving unless we come across it in Scripture. Today I'm preaching about love. And I'm talking about lending and borrowing It says the wicked borrows and does not pay back. The righteous is gracious and gives. I come across a great verse concerning lending to the poor. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17, it tells us this about when we give. It says, The one who is gracious to a poor person lends to the Lord. I want to read that again caught me off guard. The one who is gracious to a poor person lends to the Lord. And he, talking about the Lord, not the one that you lend the money to, and he, the Lord, will repay you for your good deed. Interesting verse, is it not? My wife understood that. She has taught me that. It appears that God is the one who will eventually bless those who give. God is the one who eventually will bless the giver. In the realm of business, Jesus approved financial borrowing as a purpose for investment. He taught that in the parable of the talent. He taught in Matthew chapter 25. Let me read it to you. It's really, hold your place here. If you want to find it, Matthew chapter 25. Matthew, of course, is the first book in the New Testament. It's to your left. Matthew chapter 25. I want you to look with me at a, an amazing place, an amazing story. 
In verse 14, it says, A man was about to go on a journey. He called his slaves together and he entrusted his possessions to them. To one of them, verse 15, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two talents. And to one, he gave one, each according to their ability. Then he went on his journey. Immediately, verse 16, the one who had received five talents went and traded with them. He gained five more. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. Verse 18. But the one who received the one talent, he went away, dug in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who received five came up and brought five more, said to the master, You have entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more. His master said to him, Well done. Well done. You good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many. Enter into the joy of your master. The one who also received two came and said, Master, you have entrusted me two. See, I have gained you two more. And he said the same thing to him. Well, well done. You are faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many and enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24 comes the problem. The one who had received the one talent came and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. I knew you to reap where you did not sow. I knew you to gather where you scattered no seed. Therefore, I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. The master answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I didn't sow and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to at least put my money in the bank. Thereupon on my rival... I would have received my money back at least with interest. He should have at least put my money in the bank, he says. On my arrival back, I would have at least received my money back with interest. So we learn that that we must pay back in time and on time what we owe and in full. This financial principle is the very essence of Paul's admonition admonition to us concerning love he says concerning love owe nothing to anyone except this love them love them now it's very interesting because he has told us before if we turn back to romans chapter 13 he has told us before that we are to even love those who have persecuted us we're not to persecute them we're to bless them So it's led our Lord to teach this to his disciples and to you and me. A long time ago, when I first became a believer, a gentleman who kind of brought me along in the faith and and kind of helped me in the whole ministry with athletes said he wanted me to learn some verses. So he had challenged me to memorize some verses. And the first one that he asked me to memorize were two verses. It was in John chapter 13, verse 34 and verse 35. It is Jesus Christ speaking to his disciples, speaking to you and speaking to me. And he says, a new commandment I have given you. The new commandment that he gave them is that they were to love one another. And then he didn't leave them alone with that thought. He says, 
Even as I have loved you, so you should have love for one another. Goes on to say in the next verse, by this, by the way you love one another, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If there's one thing I want this church to be known for, is that we have a love for one another within the body of Christ. By the way, Rob, congratulations on the great job you did over at Esperanza speaking to those kids. I want to hear all about that. Heard that was really special. Yeah, way to go. That our church ought to be a church that has love for one another. When people come here, I want them to feel comfortable. Like they've slipped on a nice pair of comfortable slippers. And kind of feel at home. I want that. I want that desperately. And as I understand it, that is exactly what you folks do here at this church. To those who have visited us. You make them feel so welcome. That ought to be a standard of us as a a body of believers. That we are to owe nothing to anyone except that we are to love them. That would fulfill the law. So a new commandment, Jesus says, I give to you, love one another. Even as I have loved you, so you should love for one another. By this, everyone's going to know you're my disciple if you have love for one another. In First John, the fourth chapter, the seventh verse, and the 21st verse, we are told, Beloved, talking to the family of God, Christians, let us love one another. Because love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 21 says, this commandment, this commandment to love one another, we have from our Father, that the one who loves God should also love his brother or sister in the Lord. Got it? That's a principle that you and I are to incorporate within our lives, within our families, Husbands, especially for your lives. Did I say lives? I meant wives. <laughs> Same difference. <laughs> really love your wife. Love her. Wives, love your husbands. Parents, love your children. Children, love your parents. Family, love one another. In your place of business, be a, be a, be a, a shining light to the people you come in contact with. This type of love is quite awesome, I might tell you. It's priceless, I might say. We are told by our Lord himself to serve and to love our other Christians is to serve and to love him. I want to show you how I know that. A little while ago, we were in Matthew chapter 25. Would you please turn back there? I should have told you to hold it. Matthew chapter 25. Turn back there again, please. I want you to see another parable that our Lord... Has given. In Matthew chapter 25, starting with verse 31, it says this. Verse 31 When the Son of Man comes in his glory, all of the angels with him will come with him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate them from one another, as the shepherd will separate the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, 
You who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom that has been prepared for you from the foundations of the world. He says, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, he says, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. Verse 36, I I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was even in prison, and you came to me. Verse 37 tells us, then the righteous is going to answer him and said, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry? When did we ever feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? Verse 38, the king says, no, verse 38 says, when did we see you a stranger? Please forgive me. And when did we invite you in? And when did we see you naked or clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and come to you? Verse 40 is where I meant to be. The king is going to answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to who? To me. You did it to me. The payback is priceless. To treat someone else kind is to to treat the Lord kind. And he will tell you and me one day to do such a thing to them will be tantamount to doing it to him. Love is so critical to our Lord that he tells us twice here in back in Romans chapter 13 verses 8 and 10. Twice he tells us that to love like this will fulfill the very law of God. So in between verses 8 and 10, Paul mentions the commandments in verse 9. He says, for this in verse 9, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, shouldn't steal, and you shouldn't covet. These are a heart problem. These are problems of the heart. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, it says, out of the heart come evil thoughts. For instance, out of the heart comes murder, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, slanders. But let's continue with verse 9. You shall not commit adultery or murder or steal, nor should you covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because, verse 10, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Because love is the very fulfillment of the law. The greatest test of love to the world was demonstrated by our Lord. It was His willingness to sacrifice Himself for you and for me. To sacrifice Himself for the welfare of others. In John 15, 13, no one less than Jesus Christ Himself said these words, Greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for a friend. Greater love has no one than this, but to lay down their lives for another. And so the main lesson in this today, Romans 13, verses 8, 9, and 10, the main lesson is this. If if you choose to love God with all of your heart, and if you choose to love others as you do your own self, then you can live your life as you please. There's no boundaries because 
we will then only desire to do that which pleases God and benefits others. And that's a great way to live. That is a great way to live. It is the epitome of of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Philippians 2, 3 and 4. I've said it at almost every wedding I've ever done. In fact, I think every wedding. It says, Do nothing from selfishness nor empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Let each of you regard one another as more important than you do your own self. You want to talk about a great marriage? There it is. Do nothing from selfishness nor empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Let each of you regard one another as more important than you do your own self. It says, verse 4, don't merely look out for your own personal interests, but look out for, care for the, the personal interests of one another. That's what our church should be like. I want you to note something in Romans chapter 13. It can almost slide by if you're not careful. Verses 8, 9, and 10, there is no mention about the first and the greatest commandment. There is no mention to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. Nor does Paul mention any other commandment relating directly to God. Because here... Paul is focusing on our relationship with one another, our love for each other here within the body of Christ or wherever your feet will take you. In Romans chapter 12, we've already learned this. We've seen Paul deal with our right relationship with God. He says, remember, 12.1, don't forget it. He says this, I urge you, therefore, my brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. That's our responsibility. Then in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, there is a responsibility we have to this world. He says, don't be conformed to this world. Rather, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then in Romans chapter 12, from verses 3 to 8, Paul dealt with how we are to treat each other within the four walls of the church, how we are to love one another here within the body of Christ. Then in verses 9 through 21 of chapter 12, Paul tells us how to deal with everybody, good as well as evil. And he says, for those who persecute you, don't persecute them, rather bless them. Then he moved into chapter 13, and Paul tells us how to deal with our relationship with our government and in paying our taxes. And now here, in verses 8, 9, and 10, he teaches us how to deal with everyone. And it's all summarized by the word love. Loving one another. Love fulfills the law. In other words, love completes the wishes of the Lord our God. How does love fulfill the law? Well, through our attitude. How we treat treat others seems to be extremely important to our Lord. Listen to what Jesus said. Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. Seventh chapter of Matthew, the twelfth verse. In everything he says, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this, he says, is the law and the prophets. It summarizes the whole thing. Treat people the same way You want them to treat you. 
Now, I want to close here in Romans chapter 13. And I want you to read with me out of one of the most famous places in Scripture concerning love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's to the right. It's the next book to the right. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to read it with you and, and I want you to read it with me. Listen to Paul's words. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says in verse 1, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I have become, he says, a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And he says in verse 2, If I have the gift of prophecy, and I know all mysteries, and I have all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, what? I'm nothing. I mean, it's nothing, folks. Nothing. Love is everything. All the other stuff is stop. Verse 3. If I give everything of, I have, all my possessions to feed the poor. More than that, if I deliver my body to be burned, but I do not have love, all that I have done profits me what? Nothing. Nothing. You see the importance of love? He says in verse 4 that love is patient and it's kind. It's not jealous and it doesn't brag. It's not arrogant. It doesn't act unbecomingly. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. Verse 6, love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rather it rejoices in the truth. Love, verse 7, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I heard a, a preacher preach this message. I think it was Dr. John MacArthur once. He said verse 8 was almost a, a verse of frustration. That, that Paul just wrote all of this and finally he just said, Love never fails. It just doesn't. Love never fails. He goes on to say a lot of other things. He says in verse 13, But now abides faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest, the greatest of these is love. I'm going to read to you three verses in a moment. You can just close your books and just kind of think for a moment. I have a friend. I've, I've had a friend. I don't know that I've told you the story before or not. Um, I, I said it last night, and nobody seemed to say I've heard that before, John. Uh, I have this friend that I knew from college. Um, He's a dentist. He's older than me, but he's still a dentist. He's still working. He's enjoying his business and he enjoys things. And he was, um, at best, an, an, an agnostic. Mostly he was an atheist. My best, best friend in college, the guy I lived with and roomed with for four years, and we've been friends ever since, and we call each other every day, and we laugh like crazy, and we laugh at stupid stuff. Stupid stuff that only guys that known each other for over 60 years can laugh at. Just stuff. And we tell the same stories over and over, and we laugh and we laugh. This fella is my very best friend. Um, he, the, the other fellow who was a dentist, he and that guy went through high school together, and the dentist is his best friend from school. So this friend of mine that I went to college with came to my house and said, I heard you became a Christian. What does that mean? And I told him, and about 
20 years ago, I led him to Christ in, in my living room. Pray to receive Jesus Christ. We talk to each other, every, like I told you, every day. And, and now on his answering machine, this is what his answering machine says. Hi, this is Bill. Have I told you today that I love you more than life itself? He stole that from me. <laughs> and he put it on his phone like everybody thinks that's his thing. The other fellow who's a dentist, every time we gather together, I always tell him and his wife how much I love him. And, and at first, it would kind of almost, you could see him almost arch his back. It was, a, it was hard. And I'd give him a hug, and he's a real little guy, about your size, Joe. And I'd give him a hug, you know, and tell him I love him. And that's been for 20 years, maybe, maybe less. Doesn't matter. A month ago, I got a phone call. It was from this guy, the dentist said, um, I meant to tell you something. I've been thinking about it a lot. Oh, by the way, in the time, in the process, he's watched Bill and I walk with the Lord. He and his wife have come to Christ. Yeah, yeah, that, I forgot. It's a pretty important thing to forget. <laughs> he and his wife have come to Christ. They even have Bible studies in their home. And, it, I mean, they've, they've caught the real thing. So he calls me about maybe a month ago, maybe less. And he said, I want to tell you something. I said, what? What's up? And he says, um, I've never said this to another man in my life, not my father, not anyone. I said, what? He says, I love you. <laughs> yes. Yes. I want you to know that that blessed me, folks, more than you'll, I can ever tell you. That, that, that just the constant dripping of love will change someone's heart. He and his wife both have come to Christ, and now he has told me and that he loves me. And, and we're going to gather together, he and that other fellow and myself and another guy, in about two weeks. And we're going to just spend the day together, and it's going to be just laughing madness. And I can't wait to see him and hug him and say, do you still love me? <laughs> There's nothing quite like that. There's nothing quite like... Um, Relationships. I can unashamedly tell you that I love Rob Sella. I couldn't love him more if he was my son. One of the most amazing men I've ever met. He married really well. <laughs> That's the greatest. Oh, there you are, Kendall. I mentioned you a couple of times in the service about caring for us financially. What a blessing you are. What a blessing you are to our church. You are, thank God you went to Stanford, not SC, so you could be, so you could be smart. I mean, I know, Jeff. One of the most gracious things that you and I can do to one another as a body of believers is to really just love one another. I told you I wanted to close with these three verses. Just listen. Just sit down and listen. Paul wrote them in Colossians. Chapter 3, verses 12, 13, and 14. Connected to these two, three verses is a verse that my wife made me and the kids learn a few years back. This was when the, our kids were pretty small. It says this, You who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, that's us, believers, 
put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with one another and forgive each other. This is the verse that my wife made me and the kids learn. <laughs> Let no unwholesome or word proceed from your mouth. This is out of Ephesians. This is just an add-on. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification according to the need for the moment, that it might give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Here's the key. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bear with one another, forgive one another. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you forgive. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Whether in our church or in your home, whether at your business or at school, wherever it is that you are, love becomes the perfect bond of unity with our Lord. I've watched a man smarter than me by a mile who was an agnostic, perhaps an atheist, because he saw two guys, his peers, love one another. He decided that he wanted to know their God and came to trust in Jesus Christ and now he unashamedly told me that he loves me. Told you it's a nice day. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the lessons you teach us out of Scripture. Thank you that you uh, gave us this pause right near of all times for us as a church, Valentine's Day, that we could really learn what true love is all about. True love. Not lust, not passion or any of those other things, but really love, where we love one another, tender-hearted to one another, forgiving one another, just, in Christ, just as Christ has forgiven us. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the people in this church. God bless us. God bless Allie. Really watch over her father as she carries that baby. I pray you'll bless her so much in Jesus' precious name.